Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the Keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. I want to begin by sharing with you one of my favorite childhood folk tales. A farmer went to town to sell his produce and returned home with a large pot of treasures. His family and relatives gathered around him to hear the story of his windfall of fortune. He said, As I walked through the forest on my way back, I heard someone groaning in a cave. I entered the cave and saw a dying tiger with a massive infected wound on his arm. I had pity on him, so I used my first aid kit to bind his wound and gave him my water to drink. Since it was getting dark, I stayed with him overnight. The next day he got better and gave me this pot of treasures to express his gratitude. Feeling envious, his brother's wife inquired about the cave's location and asked her husband to find the place and try his luck. The next day, he went and found the cave. Surprisingly, he heard the tiger groaning inside. So he went in and saw the dying tiger, just like his brother had told them. When he smelled the wound, he thought, yuck, my brother didn't tell me that the wound was so stinky. He reluctantly bound the wound, hoping to get the reward like his brother did. He slept in the cave, dreaming about returning home with a large treasure pot. The next day, the tiger got better and ate him for breakfast. This is a typical story based on Taoist philosophy, calling for multiple layers of interpretations. On the surface, uh, it teaches people that you cannot copy someone's success by superficially duplicating what they do. At a deeper level, the elder brother's action stems from his sincere love for the wounded and suffering. Motive matters. Then if we reach even deeper, it teaches us that Nature reads your motive and rewards your heart over your action. Chinese adults tell fables like this to teach children to cultivate morality. However, for those who love to think deeper, these stories serve as tools for spiritual development, much like Jesus' parables. We can look at the story as a lesson on how love can transform nature. It's natural for people to fear a tiger, and it's natural for a tiger to eat a human. If we are authentic, we cannot naturally love our enemies. When Jesus asked us to love our enemies, he asked us to rise above authenticity. Our culture today glorifies authenticity. In the name of expressing themselves, many people gratify their authentic feelings. They can be rude and say, I'm just being authentic. Paul said, we are to tell the truth in love. 
telling the truth sounds authentic, but without love, the truth becomes a weapon to hurt rather than to heal. The Bible says that our authentic nature is a fallen nature. If I'm authentic, I'd rather eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If we are authentic, we cannot love the way Jesus wants us to love. The way Jesus wants us to love is not transactional, but transformational. It requires us to sacrifice our authenticity. In the story, the younger brother is authentic. His love for the tiger is pretentious. It's transactional. The tiger was also authentic when he ate the low-hanging fruit. His elder brother was not authentic. He went beyond his instinct to love the tiger. The tiger was not authentic with him either when he rewarded his prey. Touched by love, even a ferocious animal can rise above its authenticity. In this week's scripture lesson, Jesus gave us a new commandment to love one another. If you read the Old Testament, you will find that to love one another is not something new. So why did Jesus call it a new commandment? He gave this commandment the night before he went to the cross, and he prayed that night, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Matthew 26, 39. This prayer shows that if Jesus were authentic, he wouldn't go to the cross. He would rather not drink this bitter cup. Yet he went to the cross to fulfill God's will, not his own will. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy will be done, because God's will is not just a high road, but a higher road that requires us to rise above authenticity. So today we will explore how to take a higher road of Thy will be done in our cultural norm of my will be done. Let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper, no pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. Today is the fifth Sunday of Easter. And the scripture lesson is from the gospel according to John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. Listen to the word of the Lord. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm with you only a little longer. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 31 to 35. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Let's begin with the context. Jesus had his last supper with his disciples, and Judas left at the table to betray him. Judas would soon return with soldiers to arrest Jesus. In a sense, the departure of Judas sealed Jesus' fate. So he gave his last words to his disciples before going to the cross. It says, when he, that means Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. John 13, 31. Glorification is the highest stage of spiritual transformation. There are three stages of Christian life, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is when you believe you are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, not your self-righteousness. All you have to do is believe. You are justified by your faith through grace. The reason is no human being can do enough good deeds to justify themselves to go to heaven. It's a free gift from God's amazing grace. It's not what you do, but who God is. God is love and gracious. God loves you the way you are. After justification, there comes sanctification. God loves you the way you are, but God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Sanctification is a process of becoming a saint. God saves the sinners and turns them into saints. This growing phase is called sanctification. Since we are all believers, we have passed justification, and we are in the phase of sanctification. Just like going to the gym, you stretch your limits of authenticity and reach for a higher level of fitness. Jesus said his words sanctify us. That means regular reading of his words will push our boundaries. If you stay authentic, you cannot be sanctified because as fallen beings, authenticity means staying sinful. As I said, if I'm authentic, I would rather eat sweets. If I'm a pig, it's authentic for me to play in the mud. However, Jesus loves us the way we are, but loves us too much to leave us the way we are. In John 15, Jesus used the metaphor of pruning a tree to make it bear much fruit. Pruning can be painful, but the outcome is fruitful. Finally, we will reach glorification. That is when we fully display God's glory in us after being wholly sanctified. Glorification is like ultimate beauty and perfection. Sometimes we look at a beautiful day and say, what a glorious day. Imagine what it is like for people to say about you, what a glorious person. Glorification is our original state before the fall. People ask why Adam and Eve were not shameful even though they were naked before the fall. The reason is they were covered by God's glory. King David wrote in his psalm, Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Psalm 8, 5. 
The word crowned is translated from a Hebrew word that also means surround or encompass. That means their nakedness is invisible because they are in a state of glorification. Since they had no sin, their lives revealed God's glory. That's a state we can ultimately attain, if not in this life, but definitely after we die because we are justified. I often say that the Christian life is like being in a class where the teacher promises every one of you will get an A at the end of this semester. All you have to do is to try your best. Do you want to be in that class? When you know you are getting an A at the end no matter what, you have no stress about stretching your capacity. You will try your best with gratitude. In the same way, since glorification is guarantee, sanctification is a joy to attempt. Now, this leads back to Jesus talking about his glorification. We might think Jesus' glorification is revealed in his resurrection, since the risen Lord would be definitely look glorious. However, John doesn't emphasize his resurrection at all. He wrote about the resurrection briefly. John described Jesus' glory on the cross. From the beginning of his gospel, John described Jesus as the Lamb of God. So the most glorious moment is when he displayed his love on the cross for the salvation of humanity. So for John, Good Friday is more glorious than Easter Sunday. After all, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. Jesus is glorified by glorifying God. We know that John's gospel reads like uh, quantum physics from the very beginning. Jesus said in the next verse, if God has been glorified in him, God would also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once, John 13, 32. So it's just like a quantum physics. You glorify God and you are glorified at once. The starting point is the same as the ending point. It's fascinating. Without quantum physics, we might have a hard time understanding this truth. Someone once told me, I don't want to worship a God that wants me to worship him. He startled me with this statement. He sounded arrogant from a believer's perspective. Then I tried to see it from his anger, and it seems to make sense. If God is so great, why would God want us to worship him? By demanding our worship and glorifying, doesn't God sound selfish, self-centered, egotistic, and self-glorifying? The answer is both simple and profound. When we glorify God, we are glorified. God wants us to be glorified because we are created to glorify God. So only when we glorify God, we are glorified. I hope you are not confused. Paul wrote this beautifully about Jesus. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 8 to 11. The cross is the ultimate display of love. It's not authenticity because he would rather not do it if it was possible. And he had nothing to lose for not doing it. It's also not a pretense like the younger brother did in the story because there is no ulterior motive for him to gain anything since he already had everything as someone who came from above. His love is transformational, not transactional. With his life as an example, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. John 13, 34. The key phrase here is, just as I have loved you. He loved us just like the elder brother who bound the wound of the dying tiger entirely coming out of love without any expectation from us. Jesus' story is a little different from the fable. He healed our wounds, but we ate him. We are authentic as fallen beings. However, his reward came from God. God glorified him because he glorified God with his act of love. Now he has given us a new commandment because he has set a new standard of love. We are not to love to be loved or to be rewarded. We are to love as a higher idea than our authenticity. It's called glorification. That glorification comes from glorifying God by loving one another. Jesus said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 35. Jesus said being a Christian is not because you belong to a church or are a member of a Christian organization. Jesus wants us to be identified by having the ambition to stretch our spiritual muscles to reach the highest ideal of being defined by love. The Bible's definition of love is the opposite to the fallen nature of human beings. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Every now and then, we need to read this passage. The best is to memorize it and recite it often. Each time I read this passage, it humbles me. I discover I'm so far from this standard of Jesus' disciple. Sometimes I don't even want to look at it because it makes me feel like a failure. The problem is when we forget this ideal, we become proud of being authentic. Jesus does not want us to be authentic, but idealistic. Paul said, without love, we are nothing. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic power and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Without love, all these human ambitions and achievements are vanity. If this pandemic wakes us up to reality, Paul said there are only three things that are real. He said, and now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Authenticity sounds like reality, but the former is temporal, but the latter is eternal. Let's live Jesus' new commandment and let God be glorified in us so that we are glorified in him because that's what we are created for. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, Keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound happiness. Amen. Bye now. Thank you for listening. If you would like to maximize your life and leadership by unlocking your spiritual advantage, please feel free to direct message me on Twitter at Samuel Stone or visit SamuelStone.com. I'm looking forward to talking with you. See you on the next episode. Bye now.